0: Welcome to the Fearless Year podcast,
1: where we're dedicated to helping ourselves and
0: you along with us
1: break our codependent relationship with fear.
0: I am Dr. Rebecca Heiss. And
1: I'm Nathan Robinson.
0: Together, we talk to experts about traits and skills and areas we hope to grow in as leaders of businesses, families, and communities.
1: Skills and traits like creativity,
0: the ability to confront, empathy, and time management. Your Fearless Year is all about fearing less and doing more. Let's dive in.
1: Let's do it. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Fearless Year. I'm Nathan.
0: And I'm Rebecca. And
1: today we're Talking to Dory Clark. And before we jump to the intro, I just want to say uh, this interview has gotten postponed a couple of times. And we have been, Dory, we've been talking about um, having you on for quite a while. So I'm, I'm excited that it's actually happening.
2: Thank you so much. I'm excited too. All
0: right. So I have the very difficult task of trying to introduce you. And I'm going through all the things that you do. So let me just pause. She is a graduate of Harvard Divinity School. We'll start there. Um, And Dory also has produced a Grammy-winning jazz album. She's a Broadway investor. She's part of an accelerator program for a new Broadway show. And that's not really what she does for a living. On top of this, she is the author of a bunch of books because she is a um, professor at Duke University as well as Columbia Business School. She has been named as one of the top uh, coaches in Marshall uh, Goldsmith Coaching Awards. She's a keynote speaker. I mean, you do... So many diverse things, it just blows my mind. How do you, how do you, what Thank am I, you. and there's more. So, what am I missing? What have I failed to include in that enormous list of accomplishments?
2: I, uh, you know, I think you hit the highlights. The only thing that you're missing is uh, during COVID, I started taking weekly ping pong lessons. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to level up.
0: Oh it's my incredible. gosh. Wait, say more about that because I, I have to know what, what inspired your ping pong playing?
2: Well, mostly when they closed all the the gyms during COVID, all I could do to exercise and and not get glued to my chair was uh, just walk around. So I would walk around New York City where I live for like hours and hours uh, because I was going a little stir crazy. And on one of my walks, I discovered that they had opened a ping pong gym or a ping pong studio. I'm not sure what the term of art is uh, about a 25 minute walk from my house. And I thought, that's fantastic. And they did what small businesses should do, which is they had signs all over it saying, like, you, you know, all the things, right? We have lessons. And I'm like, oh my
0: god, they have lessons. So I signed up. That That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I mean, we we played ping pong once. When we were in this building, we were first oh, starting. Yeah. Our yeah, first yeah, yeah. venture, there was a ping pong table. And every now and then, when we got really frustrated, we'd get out there. and. But I like it as a form of exercise. I'm going to start counting it as exercise. Okay, so let's dive right into our actual content. We're here today to talk to you about adapting, adapting to change, which I think all of us have had to struggle through, especially in the last year, year and a half here. Um, But to start really simply, how do you define the ability to adapt?
2: Well, I, I think ultimately the ability to adapt is about accepting that we can't hold on to what was and shake our fist at the sky. Uh, I mean, you can do that, but it's just not going to really lead to successful outcomes or successful psychology. The, the best thing to do after, you know, perhaps if you need it, a period of mourning is to just say, all right, one, one foot in front of the other, what's next? And the people who can do that as rapidly as possible and as efficiently as possible are usually the ones that are going to win, quote unquote, moving forward.
0: Can you tell us a story of either either from your life or from a client's life where that ability to adapt to just put one foot in front of the other made all the difference?
2: Yeah, well, I'll I'll grab a COVID story. Uh, So I have a, a, a good friend and a coaching client, a guy named Robbie Samuels. And for years, he had been developing a business. He even wrote a book about this around consulting for organizations and associations about helping them make their conferences better mm-hmm. and you know helping participants network and be more engaged at conferences now you know great business <laughs> great business model until covid <laughs> and suddenly his entire business model like literally everything he did and everything he was an expert in was suddenly extremely irrelevant overnight and so, like anybody, he kind of curled up in a ball and panicked. But what I, I really admire was he curled up in a ball for about 48 hours, and then he said, well, what can I do? Mm. And it turned out that in, in addition to being good at networking at conferences and things like that, he just independently had been using Zoom, using virtual technologies pretty extensively for a long time. And so he immediately pivoted into the realm of coordinating and hosting virtual events. Mm -hmm. And so within an eight month period, he created an entirely new business for himself as a digital producer for organizations, virtual events. And he began certifying other people in a methodology around hosting virtual events. And he was able to build a six figure business from scratch in less than a year.
0: Wow, (laughs) that's okay. That is a heck of an ability to pivot. I mean, what, I guess for the for those of us that that struggle in this moment, right? That stay curled up in that ball, what is the first step? What is what is the first thing that says, okay, how do I release myself from that ball and even begin to move toward change, toward action?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think there's there's sort of different levels. I was actually talking to a client yesterday and You know, it was a really sad situation because his mother recently died Mm. and he was feeling just a lot of aimlessness, a lot of purposelessness because they were very close. And, you know, for anybody who's lost someone that's been close to them, uh, you know, which which I have uh, and I was sharing my experience as well for a long time, you just, you almost feel a little bit like a robot. Like, you're just like, okay, well, I'm alive because there's nothing better to do, I guess. (laughs) And it just feels like this sense of, of anomie. And, you know, eventually with enough time, and it does take a lot of time, you kind of snap out of it and you realize, okay, maybe, maybe there are other things that could be meaningful, maybe. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, and you get there, but during the moment, it, it really is a question of of just you're you're doing it out of habit. You're you're you know you're brushing your teeth because you're trained to brush your teeth, like all that kind of thing. And so, part of it when it comes to making a, a pivot, if you're if you're in that state, it certainly can be hard to summon a lot of motivation or a lot of energy and so I, I think part of it is just identifying what is the smallest thing that you can do um because it's it's all about finding ways for things to be manageable um ultimately i mean it, it is really fascinating um you know you hear analogies about things like okay if you're if you have a plane and you change the trajectory, like one degree, well, okay, you know, in, in a day, it's like, you know, thousands of miles off course. And it, it really is this the same thing. I mean, years ago, I went in for a uh, physical and I my doctor was like, um, you, you gained some weight. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, you know, I, I, because I'm an optimist, I was, I really, I literally was like, well, my scale's broken. That's the problem. <laughs> Uh, But it was not, in fact, the problem. And what she told me is that, and this was like so alarming. She said, even if every day the only change you make is you're eating like half a cookie, like you will gain 10 pounds within a year if that is the change you make. Yeah, it's alarming. So on the plus side, though, you do that in the reverse with a positive habit. And it actually, without that much effort, you're going to get a good outcome
0: it's funny as as you were talking through that i was jotting down notes and i was like oh i love the brushing brushing your teeth analogy because we are we are trained to do that and if you can do that in the deepest darkest difficult most difficult times and you can still do that what other habits can you make that are tiny tiny positive changes as you said the the plain analogy but let's make it a positive change don't eat that half cookie i guess right yeah, um,
1: right it, and it it makes me it makes me think back to at the beginning when you said like take take a moment or take the the opportunity to grieve or to be still or to be to experience what you're feeling um, to whatever extent you need but then the next thing you do is you know brush your teeth through these things so, so it, it makes me think about number one empathy for yourself like to be where you are and that's okay but also to fall back to your habits going back to brushing your teeth how can we cultivate these habits of adaptability and curiosity and abundance now before we're in a crisis state so that then when when things happen our mindset is oh of course well of course there's another way of course there's of another course option of
0: course i can adapt to this because that's what i'm trying to do right
1: there's yeah. everything is um everything is figure outable right there's there's always um, you know a forking path ahead as you have built this career um, as a polymath is that the term yeah people? yeah so in yeah. the in the diversity of pursuits you've had, uh what is something surprising? What's something that has just been like a light bulb moment for you when it comes to this field of adaptability?
2: Ah. So in terms of me taking on a new a new activity or Sure.
1: However Where you, you want to take it. take
2: it. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you Nathan one one aspect of my background that I actually talk about in my new book, which is coming out in September, it's called The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World, is I have a whole section talking about how we can essentially make small bets in our careers and uh, explore small, risky things that have the potential for greater payoff. And so the way that this has played out for me specifically is Just about five years ago, in early 2016, I decided I had this kind of, you know, lightning bolt revelation that I what I needed to do. This was kind of a surprise to me, but what I needed to do was write musical theater, and I was just not I was not trained for this. I uh, this was this was a bit surprising because I had never done musical theater. I mean, I grew up in this little town. We had my school was too small to have not even a musical theater program, we didn't even have a theater program. So I uh, I had not grown up knowing all the show tunes or, or whatever. This was like really not my background. But when I decided that I wanted to do it, I needed to start from scratch because I did not have a good basis. I did not have a good cultural literacy. But I made a commitment and specifically what I did was I made a 10 year plan for myself and I started in 2016 and I said, all right, my goal is that by 2026, I am going to have a show on Broadway that I write and I a point that I like to to make, you know, th- there's a saying that we overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And that is that is doubly true or, or perhaps uh, exponentially more true for a decade. And I think the, the key thing, so many times people get paralyzed because they feel like, oh, I could never do it or it could never happen. But if you have a long enough runway that you are aiming toward, there's actually very few things that you couldn't do within a 10 year period. I mean, you know, outside of the, whatever the biologically impossible or something right. like right. that. If, if you devote yourself for 10 years to something, you actually can make enormous progress. So we're now at the five-year mark and I have been, uh, accepted, into and have now completed uh, one of the country's most prestigious musical theater training programs and you know I've, I've written a show it's been incubated at an accelerator and we're in the process of trying to move it forward and to get traction for it. So we're you know it''s it's, it's on its way as best as one can do.
0: I mean I, I, my mind continues to be blown here. I I love the idea that you started from complete scratch. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when I heard that you were in this accelerator program, I was like, oh, that's so cool. She must have had this whole background I didn't know about. And um, then when I hear you talk about it and say, oh, I didn't have any of the, I didn't have the program growing up. And what, what made you actually think, hey, what was the mindset that you had to say, hey, I know nothing about this. I'm okay being a non expert and I can do this. This is something that I can tackle. Where, Where did you even come from with that? Like, where'd you
2: start? Well, I think I think there's probably three key things. The first is that you do have to have a high degree of humility because as you get older and as you get more experienced, we are no longer used to being terrible at things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know That's like, so true. We,
2: we developed this kind of baseline competence. And like when you're five years old and you suck at T-Ball, it's like, well, you know, you're cute. It's okay. And like you feel fine and you get an ice cream. But when you're, you know, 30 or 35 or 40 or 50 and you suck at something, uh, it gets a little embarrassing. Even if that thing is something that is new to you, the way that T-Ball was when you were five. And so I just had to get comfortable With being the worst one in the room and just remind myself like, okay, like really Dory, you can't feel too bad about this. Like the guy next to you literally has a master's degree in musical theater. Like, do you think he's going to know more than you? Yeah, I think he is. So that, that was probably the first thing. The second is that i really tried to practice what i preach and so uh as i also recount in the long game i hired a coach yeah uh, I, I i think you know if you want to accelerate your knowledge in anything you know this is bit true in business it's true in life you can hire a coach and even if it's something where it is not a common thing to hire a coach usually you actually can hunt down someone who is better than you and convince them to take your money mm. so <laughs> that is what i did and uh, and it helped and then the, um, the third piece was just understanding what my potential competitive advantages were. Now, obviously, it was clear uh, what my disadvantages were because I didn't have experience. But also, I have a, a ton more business experience and networking experience than most other people who are in musical theater. And so that is actually how I started investing because I said, you know what? I'm just going to meet all the producers. Like, (laughs) that's probably the fastest way. Let me give them some money. Let me make friends. And I can meet a lot of producers. And that will surely be helpful in some way as I try to understand the journey that a show takes to get to Broadway.
0: Oh, man. So much gold in that. I, I, I was nodding along and like, oh, she is preaching. She is preaching exactly the thing that I talk about the most, which is this idea of, you know, of failure, of what I call external failure, like looking bad in front of others, right? The idea that, and I, I say the same thing, it's not T-ball, but I talk about um, you know, riding a bike. And now I look around, I'm like, oh my God, there's 15 year olds making millions of dollars on TikTok. What have I done with my life? And it's so easy to get wrapped up into that, into that mindset. So I love your, I love your framing of it as you flip that and say, wait a second, of course, of course, he has all of this experience. Here I am, it's okay to be the, the non-expert. And in fact, I have advantages that others don't. So I thought that was just really powerful.
1: Yeah. And I am a synthesizer by nature. So I, as I take in, I try to like, I'm piecing together my framework of, of what I'm hearing. And I'm also, I do this for myself and for my kids. So I try to uh, work with my kids and give them little sort of bite-sized mantras and things that they can take in and absorb and, and think about. And the two things that that came into my head while you were talking was number one. Even using this phrase as a as a mantra. Oh, I can start from scratch. I can start from scratch. Yeah. Like when the fear comes up, or the, the the unknown happens, or something throws your gets thrown your way, and you go, and the fear says you're gonna have to start from nothing. <laughs> the mantra, the practice is, oh no no no, you can't. You can. You can start from scratch. That's okay. Um. And then the other one, when you talked about meeting the producers. And, you know, making those networking opportunities, right? The mindset or what I heard you say, I may not get it exactly right, but surely this will be useful somehow, right? The, even taking that phrase and whatever you're doing, the, you know, a pandemic hits, you, you get laid off, the, whatever it is. Well, surely this will be useful for something. And, um, and I, I love both of those. So, so thanks for indulging me, like synthesizing that there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love that, Nathan. Thanks. Dory, one of our favorite questions is to talk about your eight-year-old self. If you can go back in time, look look your eight-year-old self in the eyes and give her one piece of advice about the ability to adapt. What what advice do you give to her?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, I think the first thing that I would say is um when I when I was eight, that was when I got uh glasses. Ooh. And uh I I have or I, I should say I had, because I now have had LASIK. Um, but I had the world's worst vision. And so when I think about something that was actually very transformative when I was eight, um, even to this day, and, and cl- clearly, of course, this is something that I could have corrected if I wanted to. So I know I can, I can make an effort. It's just not a super priority. But <laughs> but nonetheless, I will go out with people sometimes. And, you know, they'll they'll look at the sky, and they'll be like, Oh, look at the the Big Dipper and Ursa Major and all these things. And I don't, I don't know any of them. And the reason I don't know any of them is that like they, they first teach you that when you're like six or seven and you're like, look, kids, you can, blah, blah, blah. and people were trying to tell me that. And I was like, what the F are these people talking about? Like, I couldn't see anything. I'm just like, oh, uh, oh. Uh, okay. Okay. But I didn't have enough context to know that there, that there really was a thing Mm. that I was supposed to be seeing that other people were seeing. I I just assumed I was seeing it the same way that they were and that, I don't know, they were making some kind of connection or meaning that I wasn't. And so actually getting glasses and realizing like, oh, there's like a thing I should have been seeing. Um, and, and understanding that there, there literally is another way (laughs) to look at things and that, that sometimes that, that other frame is clearer or better. Um, that, that was an interesting adaptation and, and a realization for me that I, w- I was not seeing the full picture before.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a cool story. I use the, the analogy of a lens quite often, uh, you know, putting on a different lens or, or imagining like a camera lens to, to refocus and, you know, speaking of my kids, not only are they, have they changed my life in you know, every conceivable way, but I also, that's a, a lens that I use to see things differently because I think about the world I'm leaving for my kids or how do I get this information for myself, but also synthesize it in a way that I can, I can give to my kids. And uh, so th- think for the metaphor and you know, literally, literally uh, not being able to see something and then your whole world changes. And what can we do metaphorically with uh, with the challenges in our lives too?
0: I, I'm still I'm still like processing being able to see something for the first time, and the feeling of being around people. And again, maybe it maybe it translates very well to your theater experience of like um, sitting in that space of going, why does everybody see something that I don't? What is what is the connection that they have that I don't? And I think that's such a powerful moment to be able to say okay, all right, maybe I just don't have the right lens yet. And and mm-hmm. the idea of being able to pick up that lens, um, metaphorically or physically in your case, and saying, oh, it's there. I just need to shift my thinking. I just need to shift my mindset. I just need to shift my whatever it is in your world. I think yeah. that's really Like powerful. why do people
1: listen to opera?
2: <laughs>
0: that was my question. favorite. <laughs> what, no, no, no. Are you kidding me? I was, gl- at eight years old, I was glued to Don Giovanni. Or like, glued to it, you couldn't wow. pull me away from it. That's, now, now today, that's weird. Mm, I don't know, I don't know if that's, I don't know, it's the yeah. same thing. Anyway, you're you fancy, no, no, not fancy, just growing, growing up with a different, very different perspective. Um, cool. okay, so Dory, you get to coach, I mean, a ton of people on uh, all kinds of really, um, important leadership skills. But today, if we could just narrow that focus to being adaptable, if there's one thing that you want everybody to walk out of your workshops with, uh, what is that one thing about being adaptable that they absolutely have to have to know?
2: Well, I, something that I have gotten really interested in, uh, certainly since the pandemic, and I think it is a useful component of adaptability, is actually the pre-planning that comes before I was very surprised <laughs> by COVID. I mean, I think a lot of people were, <laughs> but for me, I was really surprised because I very clearly had a lens uh, for it, and that lens was, oh, well, it's just like SARS, and therefore, or like it's like this, the swine flu or something, and therefore, it's going to be completely overblown. Right. It's going to be just <laughs> this, you know, media sensation, but like, oh, so scary, and right, then nothing. Right, right. And it turned out, no, not not to be that, Uh, a little bit more impactful culturally. And so I was kind of castigating myself about, you know, geez, like, why did I not see this? Why was I so oblivious to it? And so it really made me get obsessed with the concept of scenario planning. And of course, I was familiar with scenario planning before. Oh, this could happen or this could happen or this could happen. But The part that I found most interesting as I looked into it was not just, okay, you should think about what it will be like if different things happen. You know, that's nice, but that doesn't really get you anywhere. The part that was interesting for me was if you are uh, projecting, let's say, five different possible scenarios that could emerge in a certain number of them, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, who knows? There are probably going to be similar answers for what you can do to prepare for those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And if you do that thing, it will help you in 60 to 80% of the possible likelihoods. And so it is, even if it doesn't actually come to pass, it is worth your having done that thing because statistically, you are running the boards as effectively as any person can.
0: That's, wow, that's fascinating. And it also makes me want to run out and buy a whole bunch of toilet paper right now. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the different scenarios, like emergency situations. Like, oh, that's, that's, no, that's fascinating. I really like that kind of statistical approach to it and saying, look at all the overlaps. Like, look at, look at these, <laughs> running a the factor analysis and pulling out, oh, this is really weighty, right? Like, this is actually something that affects, or if you make this change or you prepare for this thing, you're setting yourself up for success in 16 different categories.
1: Yeah. It takes me back to, um, the micro habit idea again, or habit stacking or really just self care in general. If something is like, if you need to be on point to be able to adapt quickly to change in the market, to be resilient, whatever it is. Um, well let's, let's start with are you sleeping eight hours a night? Are you properly hydrated? Is your nutrition like reasonably balanced? You know how many gaps in your sort of vitamin intake. Um, are you sort of above board with the relationships in your life? Do you have people that are pouring into you and you're pouring into them? And then do you move move your body in a regular way? Right. Let's, it's, your,
0: it's your scale not broken.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> um, do do those like let's start there, and then you'll be um, you know that much farther ahead with whatever it is that that comes. And it's like oh I can. I can do this. I can, <laughs> I can adapt.
0: All right. So we, we tend to wrap up with this question. So I, the name of the, of the podcast is The Fearless Year. And certainly we don't want to encourage people to just be fearless. That's a terrible decision, right? But fearing less, actively fearing less by sorting out uh, that's a life threatening situation versus that's something I have some control over and can take a step back and, and move forward and take action on. So, um, how could you use this, this skill set? of adapting to change or being adaptable to fear less in your life.
2: Yeah, I, I I love it. I think that ultimately to to your point fearing less is not about taking stupid risks. You know, right. no nobody would would encourage that. Um, you know, whatever whatever you gain from not feeling fear, you lose by, you know, dying or something. Right. <laughs> that <Right>. like tiger <laughs> tiger meat or yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. But, but, but of course there are so many people at the other end of the spectrum where that's not the problem. The problem is that they, they probably should be taking more chances or trying more things and they feel held back um, unnecessarily because they're, you know, they're just calibrated too far in the other direction and they are ending up in the, the scenario that, at the end of your life, you're gonna have regrets, you know, about about the things that you haven't done. And so for me, I think it is about really just trying to understand based on our priorities and based on our values, what what is a risk that you would feel good taking, that you would feel proud to have taken, regardless of how it turned out. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, so about two weeks ago or so, I went to Dubai. And this was my, it's very exciting. It's my first post-pandemic travel. Uh, So, you know, Dubai is a fairly far destination (laughs) from where I live. It's uh, about uh, 13, it's about a 13-hour flight on average if you average the to and from. Uh, So it is not insubstantial. And the reason that I went to Dubai Um, I did have business meetings there, um, but uh, a a reason why I went to Dubai specifically was to meet up with this woman that I had never met before that I met on Tinder. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, my gosh. How much fun is that? That's a risk. It was a risk. It was totally a risk. And so, you know, you mitigate risk by doing things like, okay, you talk on Zoom beforehand to make sure, like, are you a real person? <laughs> that's, that's one good way to mitigate risk. But I mean, ultimately, you know, you just, you don't know, you know, how you're going to respond to somebody in person. You have no idea. It could, it could um, I figured I had vetted her enough through conversations that I figured out it wasn't going to go horrifically badly, <laughs> but, you know, it might not have gone well. But ultimately, I just decided, I'm like, you know what, I am, I will be proud to be the kind of person to have done this. Yeah. Because sometimes you just need to like, you know, like,
0: roll the dice and go for it. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I love that story so much. And and I was following your posts on like your adventures in Dubai. And I was like, Oh, good on her. I, Dubai is a place I just I would be. I'd be really excited just to go there now that adds a whole nother dimension to the story. So thank you for fearing less and demonstrating how rewarding fearing less can be. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Dory. thank you so much for the conversation, for the wisdom and for the laughs. This has been a really enjoyable uh, (laughs) afternoon to spend. How can people find out more about you? Where where do they uh, find you online or in Dubai?
2: Thank you so much. Yes. most of the time, not in Dubai, Fair although, enough. you know, I met uh, I did meet a really nice camel. So, um, you know, we had we had some some fun uh, with the camel ride there. I also somebody gave me this great gift of camel milk caramels it was like it's, it's sort of counterintuitive, but they're delicious. So. I am, I am a fan of Dubai for nice. sure. Uh, and I'll just, I'll just mention the, 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 visit actually ended up going well. So that nice. was, good. That was really I wanted nice. to
0: ask really badly, but I was like, mm, I don't want to, I don't
2: want to push it. So anyway, that was all good, but where people can find me all the time online, uh, if they are interested in receiving a free long game, strategic thinking, self-assessment to, to really think through in your. In your professional life, how can you be more strategic and make decisions for the long term? Uh, They can get it for free at doryclark.com/slash/the-long-game.
0: Awesome! I am definitely going to be uh, doing that assessment for sure. Um, Dory, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom. We are so grateful that you joined us on the Fearless Year.
2: Oh, thank you, Rebecca and Nathan. It's great to talk with you guys.
0: All right, take care. Have a great
2: day.
1: Here are your calls to action. Here's what I'd like you to do. Number one rate and review, please. Find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, the ratings and review system help the magical algorithms expose our podcast to more listeners. And we can't wait to share the fearless message with more of you. So please go to that. And speaking of sharing, please share the fearless year with somebody that you know would benefit from it. Find an episode that you really, really found valuable. Share that with someone that you think would appreciate it. And we would appreciate you. And until next time, live more, fear less.